This is Stacy Hyde, and we're back for another episode of Better Financial Health in 15 Minutes or Less. And this is going to be part one of a two-part episode talking about estate planning or having, you know, your wills, powers of attorney, living trust, that sort of thing. And I want to break it into two because I really want to talk to in this first one, young parents, single people. And then in the second one, we'll do more, the more mature family, maybe wealthier, maybe not. But I think it makes sense to break it into two. So first, I want to start with just defining what a will is. What a will says is who gets your stuff when you're gone. It also appoints an executor or multiple executors, and that's who is in charge of giving title from you or your estate to that next person. Um, You can also name a trustee in your will, and a trustee is if you create a trust for the benefit of minor children or a disabled person or even a spouse or grown kids. And it says that who's going to be in charge and what the parameters are for the kids or grandkids to get that money. And then also, if you have minor children and you pass away, you name guardians. So if both you and your spouse or the child's parent, if you both passed away, you want to name somebody who you would trust to raise your kids. And I do want to distinguish between who you would want to raise your kids and who you'd want to raise them, who you would want to handle their money. And that may be two different people because you may want your brother or sister to raise them because they, you know, they have a great relationship with their aunt and uncle, but they can't manage money to save their life and they are always overdrawn and it's kind of a nightmare. And so you don't want to give them that responsibility or you're scared to give them that responsibility, well, you'd want to name somebody else as trustee. Ideally, they should get along well, or you may want to name an independent third-party trustee like a bank or something like that so that they don't get emotionally involved. Um, But the key thing to think about a will, then this is what we see people miss the most, is they think they've got a will, but then... They don't also look at their life insurance. Who's the beneficiary? Well, anything that passes by beneficiary designation is not going to go through your will. So if your life insurance says that your spouse gets it, but you wanted some to maybe go to a child by a previous marriage or previous relationship, well, that's not, and that's covered in the will, but you didn't carve that out on the life insurance, that's not going to happen or it's not likely to happen. So you need to make sure that anything that is covered by beneficiary designation, life insurance, annuities, retirement accounts, um, match what you wanna have happen in your will. The other thing to keep in mind is uh, ownership affects how things pass. So if you have a joint account with somebody and you pass away, the other joint owner of that account owns that account. It's not going to your will. So if what you want to have happen is you want to have it go into your will, 
then you don't need to have a joint owner. You may just want to give them power of attorney so they could write checks on your account or an authorized signer, but not a joint owner. So that's a key distinction there that I think a lot of people miss. And then you get into the other legal documents. You have the power of attorney for financial matters. And they can be one of two types. They can be what's called a durable power of attorney. It's in effect. Um, as soon as you sign it, the other person could sign on your behalf. So you, there's got to be a lot of trust there. And then there's what are known as springing powers. A springing power is not in effect unless a, generally they say that a family physician, if that person can be identified, or two unrelated doctors declare you incompetent. So that's a higher bar. And if you were just out of commission for a week or two or even a month or two, that might not kick into play because it's going to take some work to get you declared incompetent. And a lot of people don't want to be declared incompetent because it's very hard to put that genie back in the bottle because then you have to go get declared competent again. So my opinion is best case, you have someone who you trust to be your durable power of attorney and you just have that there and either you give them a copy or you tell them where to find it should they need it. The other thing is what's called a healthcare power of attorney. This is where you give someone the um, ability to make healthcare decisions for you. And this works hand in hand with what's known as a living will. A living will is where you put your desire for life-saving care or life-extending care. Do you want a feeding tube? Do you want fluids? Do you want antibiotics? Do you want to donate your organs? those types of things you lay out and that guides your care team. What's key to remember though, is if you definitely are the type that I don't want my life extended if I'm not gonna have quality, you're not gonna want to name your healthcare power of attorney someone who could not make that, who would not tell the doctors this is what he or she wanted these are the wishes, Let, let's pull that proverbial plug. Because you have to think about it from the care team's point of view. They have this living will. You're not able to make those decisions yourself. They've got a living, breathing person here who can also sue them. They're going to listen to this person. So you wanna make sure that whoever you name is your healthcare power of attorney is willing to abide by what you want in your living will. So those are really the core documents. For a single person, you can probably get by with a power of attorney and the healthcare, the living will healthcare power of attorney, because you likely are going to, you know, a single person that has no children, um, you may be okay with what the state has for the way it's going to get distributed. You also will likely maybe have a house and a car, but then you've got retirement accounts, maybe some life insurance through work, and those can be covered by a beneficiary designation. You also, most people don't realize this, you can actually put a beneficiary designation on financial accounts. Your brokerage account can have what's called a TOD, transfer on death, 
which all it does is passes by beneficiary designation. You can do the same thing with your bank accounts. So there's a lot you can do without necessarily needing a will at that point. But if you have children, you definitely need a will because you need to lay out who you'd want to be guardian and who you would want to manage the money for them. And in our next episode, we'll talk about a little more advanced planning, but those are really the key items. And the thing to keep in mind, if you have kids going off to college in the next couple of weeks or getting ready to go next week, and they're over 18, you need to get those healthcare powers of attorney, the living will, the financial power of attorney, because according to the law, they're adults. So when you call to figure out their um, health insurance or their financial affairs, those people are not going to talk to you. They're going to want to talk to your brilliant 18 year old. So I would encourage you to get those documents for your kids as well. So that's a big part of being back to school ready for your um, college students going off to college. Thanks for tuning in, and next time we'll get into more advanced estate planning. This has been another episode of Better Financial Health in 15 Minutes or Less, and I'm Stacy Hyde.